Hello, my friends. How you doing? It's your buddy Phil here, project management trainer, coach. I hope you're doing well. I come to you today from across the Atlantic in the United Kingdom, and I just wanted to touch base with you because it had been a while and I'd missed you guys and wanted to give you some inspiration for your PMP exam. Well, over the past number of days, I have been getting ready for training a university in project management. And of course, as you get ready to train Agile and PMBOK, it makes you think of the exam and it makes you think of real world. And to be quite honest, the feedback that I've been getting from students about this exam is it pays a lot to focus on the mindset for the exam and it pays a lot to focus heavily on the understanding of whatever you are working with, be it agile, hybrid, or predictive. So my message for today is pay close attention to the mindset and the philosophies in the Agile Manifesto. Understand the values. Understand why the values are what they are. Really know the deep meaning so that you can eliminate things that are not of an agile nature. Also, dive into those 12 principles. That is going to help you a whole lot. You need to understand the logic behind each of those 12 principles. You see, one of the things I do when I train this to whether universities or companies is I give them an assignment to dissect the Agile Manifesto, to really dive into it and to understand what it means and to make it make sense for their work. Or if they feel it doesn't make sense, there needs to be some dialogue about why don't you think this makes sense? Or why do you think this needs a tweak? And that singular exercise gives them a lot more value than teaching them over and over again the values and the principles. So what I want you to do when we get off this call is to spend some time really digging into the values and asking, do I agree with this? Can I see this working in my environment? If so, great. If not, why? Then go to the principles, challenge the principles, really dig into them. That's the first thing I wanted to remind you to do today. The next thing that will add tremendous value to your PMP exam experience is to take a look at the PMI's PMBOK 7 principles. Again, take a look at the PMI's principles, put them under the microscope. Stewardship, what do you agree with? What don't you agree with? Is there anything you don't agree with? And then how can I apply this to my work? This is going to help you get the mindset that you've heard so much about. You know, when we say the PMP exam mindset, it really is an agile mindset with balance in the world of hybridization. And the best way to get that is those two things I've mentioned. The Agile Manifesto, Values and Principles, PMI's PMBOK 7 Principles. It will help you dig into those. The PMI has a free PDF that goes into their 12 principles at a high level. If you Google... PMBOK 7 Principles PDF. I'm sure it will come up with that document. 
I will try my best to put a link to the description so that you can just go through it. But these two things will help you tremendously. When you are done with a deep understanding of these two, the next thing I want you to do is to understand PMI's framework called the five process groups and the 10 knowledge areas. It's not about memorization, but you need to understand the flow of work within the framework. You need to understand what are the things done to initiate the project. Developing a charter. How do I develop a charter really? Whose signature is on the charter? When I'm done with the charter, I go back and look at my stakeholder list in the charter and I expand on the list in the charter to unravel more stakeholders and I create a stakeholder register. But I don't do this in isolation. I include other stakeholders to help me identify more stakeholders. I also could refer to previous documentation like a lessons learned register to identify who could possibly be involved in this project and so on. Then I move into planning and I plan the details. But I also need to be cognizant that there is overlap when you are initiating phases because you could initiate a project or phase. You need to understand this whole idea of rolling wave planning could permeate into a predictive world, thereby making it more hybrid. Then you need to understand execution could overlap with planning. You are carrying out the work as the team. As the team is working, you're also monitoring and controlling and checking. In fact, monitoring and controlling should have started from day one. You always want to keep your eyes open like radar, scanning for what could go wrong. Then making adjustments. Finally, you begin getting into closing out a phase and ultimately closing out the project. And this is where we say close project or phase. But you need to understand what happens under the hood. There's a lot more. But you need to understand the flow of events. Then you need to understand the areas of knowledge and what they encompass. Integration, coordination, scope, scoping out the project, understanding the requirements better, scheduling the timeline, cost, the budget, quality, fitness for use, Kaizen, customer satisfaction, conformance to requirements, resource management, all manner of resources, human, equipment, material, supplies, facilities, communications. What are we communicating? When, why, how, who? Risk, uncertainty that could impact the project positively or negatively needs to be thought about. And ultimately, procurements, setting up those contracts, and lastly, stakeholder management, ensuring your stakeholders are fully engaged. These are the knowledge areas and in addition to all of this you need to see integration weaving everything together into one cohesive whole moving along in one cohesive whole when you understand this level of detail 
The next thing I would recommend is understanding PMI's mantra and narrative in the Agile Practice Guide. At a very high level, the Agile Manifesto comes first. Then you need to understand iterative, incremental, predictive, and agile. The difference is iterative, one-time delivery, predictive, one-time delivery, agile, frequent, small deliveries, incremental, frequent, smaller deliveries. Then you need to understand servant leadership. It's all about service. Understanding team dynamics and the five stages of team development. Forming, storming, norming, performing, adjourning. And all of these taper into the understanding of why we have a team contract, a social contract. Why? Because individuals and interactions should be valued over processes and tools. Understanding that the people come first. So everything that we've talked about, it boils down to one thing, and that is efficient and effective team collaboration synergies to the highest level in order to get the outcome of the project. The outcome is not the output. The output is a deliverable. The outcome is what happens as a result of the deliverable being implemented and used as planned. When you bring all of this together, my friends, the next step is to put this through the lens of the PMP exam blueprint, which is the 35 tasks in the PMP exam content outline. When you beam all this knowledge through the lens of the PMP exam content outline, now you're talking because now you're pinpoint laser focused as to what PMI tells you the exam is based on at a granular level. Think about it. There are 35 tasks. If there are six questions for each task, that already gets you to 180. So it behooves you to focus on those PMI tasks in the PMP exam content outline. Doing that just ups your game. And now your buddy Phil has given you free access to watch 35 videos on each of these tasks where you need to go to pmp.pmradio.org that is pmp.pmradio.org can you take a second if you're not driving if you're not in motion to actually visit this link and bookmark it hit like and subscribe to that channel because this is over one day, 24 hours, and then some of coaching and training to up the ante beyond what I've shared today. But you got to take action. you got to actually visit pmp.pmradio.org and get access to these free videos. I put them out there to help you. You should go take a visit. I know when I do these recordings, sometimes I have music in the background and you may feel you want to really laser focus and go for a supersize 
serving of whatever I'm saying. Well, I want to let you know this course will help you do that. And it's free. PMP.PMRadio.org All right, my friends. I hope you found value from this. From the streets of London. Signing off. I'm wishing you all the very best in your exam. Bye for now. So my friends, to wrap up this episode, I wanted to touch on the importance of intentional deliberate studying. Now you might have been trying to get on the horse, but the crazy horse is bucking like mad and you're falling off the horse and you're unable to go in for the kill. I'm going to give you some tips on how to go in for the kill and get this exam one and done down pat. This is what you need to do. If I were you, I would put aside one month to target all the areas that you could possibly face on the exam. So you got to go on to pmp.pmradio.org and watch a video a day. Go through all the questions that follow the video. Ensure that you truly have mastered that task. Note, I did not say Agile or PMBOK or Scrum. No, I said task. Because the tasks are focused on a specific concept that has enablers. And it's very clear what you need to be able to do as a project manager on this exam. So I challenge you to put aside a month you have to accelerate a little bit towards the end. So once you have gotten to a rhythm, I want you to double up and instead of watching just one 30 minute video a day and answering questions, which will take another 30 minutes to an hour, I want you to double up and put two in. So I want you to up the ante and put in three hours of prep. If you're able to, for the first week, cover a task a day, the second week, put in two tasks a day and the third week I want to challenge you to even up the ante more and put in three tasks a day so I want you to up the ante and get to three to four hours so you can start off week one with one hour two hours a day week two two hours three hours a day week three up the ante get to four hours and you will be done with the curriculum in less than a month then I need you to take the mock exams that are talked about all throughout the curriculum. They're about 20 bucks to take the mock exams. These will help get you into the right frame of mind to practice, 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 to think quick. You need to train your brain to see lots of data, lots of content. But it's not going to happen except you dedicate a day. I need you to go a day apiece. Go a day apiece. This is what I highly recommend to you. And as you go a day apiece, you will, at the end of the day, be done. But it's not going to happen except you put it down. Okay? 
Well, that's the end of this section, my friends. I wish you all the very best. Keep on trucking. You know where to find me. Go on down to youtube.com forward slash P-R-A-I-Z-I-O-N. That's youtube.com forward slash Prazion. If you've got any questions, let me know. All the best and bye for now. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the PMP Exam Radio Show. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. Lots of you are getting ready for the PMP Exam, ramping up for the end of the year. And that's why today we're going to take a little quiz for the PMP Exam. Are you ready? Let's go. What is the name of the role in Scrum that is responsible for the process and integrity of Scrum? If you need more time, hit the pause button. Three, two, one. The answer is the Scrum Master. Next question. What is an agile method that is used with deep reflection on WIP, work in progress? Three, two, one. The answer I was looking for is Kanban. Next question. You are using a technique in which multiple team members focus simultaneously and coordinate their contributions on a particular work item. What do you call that technique? Three. Two, one. The answer I was looking for is mobbing. Next question. You're using a visualization tool as you go through an agile project. This tool enables improvements to the flow of work by making bottlenecks and work quantities visible. What is this visualization tool called? Three, two, one. The answer is Kanban board. Next question. You are a servant leader on a project and you are involved in removing an obstacle that prevents the team from achieving its goals. What is a name for this obstacle? Three, two, one. The answer is impediment. Let's step things up and talk a little bit more about the world of Agile. You are a servant leader on an Agile project and you are involved in taking a look at a document that helps the team understand the definition of ready and the definition of done. Which document does this describe? Is it A, project charter? Is it B, team charter? Three, two, one. The answer is team charter. Refer to the 
Agile Practice Guide, page 50. Next question. You're a project manager working on a hybrid project. On this project, you're using a method where team members at the end of each sprint share what went well, what didn't go so well, and improvements that are recommended for the next sprint. Which ceremony does this describe? Three, two, one. This is, of course, the retrospective. Next question. Complete the Agile Manifesto value statement. Individuals and interactions over what? Three, two, one. The answer I was looking for is over processes and tools. Next question. In the Agile Manifesto, the principle, our highest priority is to satisfy the what? Three, two, one. It reads, our highest priority is to satisfy the customer through early and continuous delivery of valuable software. I typically revise that to read valuable product for those folks who are working in non-software environments. Next question. Kanban and Agile are both subsets of what? Three, two, one. Agile and Kanban are both subsets of Lean. I would advise you to take a look in the Agile Practice Guide, page 11. Now, just a few more questions. You're working on a project with a high frequency of delivery and a high degree of change. Which approach should you use to deliver this project? Is it predictive? Incremental, agile, or iterative? Three, two, one. The answer is agile. Agile works best when you have a high frequency of delivery and a high degree of change. Next question. You're working on a project with a high frequency of delivery and a low degree of change. Which approach should you use? Is it predictive, incremental, agile, or iterative? Three, two, one. If you are using a high frequency of delivery and a low degree of change, the best option is incremental. Refer to figure 3-1 in the Agile Practice Guide. This is on page 19. Next question. On your project, you have a high frequency of delivery and a high degree of change. Which approach should you use? Is it A, plan-driven? Is it B, change-driven? Is it C, iterative? 
three, two, one. The answer is change-driven because that's agile as well. Bear in mind that agile is known as change-driven and adaptive as well. Next question. You're working on a project where there is a high degree of change and a low frequency of delivery. Which approach should you use for this project? Predictive? Is it incremental? Is it agile? Or is it iterative? Three, two, one. If you are working a project with a high degree of change and a low frequency of delivery, that needs to be iterative. Again, figure 3-1, page 19. Here is your final question. You're working a project which has a low frequency of delivery, a low degree of change as well. Which of the four approaches should you use? Is it plan-driven? Is it change-driven? Is it incremental? Or is it iterative? Three, two, one. The answer is plan-driven. Okay, now we are done with very specific Agile content. I will ask you two final questions that cut across predictive and Agile. On a predictive project, which element is fixed? Scope, schedule, or cost? Hit the pause button if you need more time. Three, two, one. On a predictive project, the element that is fixed is scope. Next question. On an agile project, which of the following elements is not fixed? Is it schedule? Is it cost? Is it scope? Three, two, one. On an agile project, the element that is not fixed is scope. Scope is flexible. Next question. On an agile project, which of these elements is fixed? Is it A, scope, B, schedule, C, cost, or D, quality? Three, two, one. That was a somewhat trick question because two of the options are correct. The answer I was looking for is schedule and cost. In the world of Agile, we fix those parameters. We have a stable team. We have a team. We understand the cost. We have a time box, a sprint, and whatever we can fit within the sprint, we do. 
The sprint is fixed. That's the time box. The team is fixed. Could more people join the team? Absolutely. But we know what we are working with cost-wise and schedule-wise. Those are the fixed elements in the world of Agile. Final question. On a predictive project, which elements are not fixed? Three, two, and one. The elements that are not fixed are schedule. The elements that are not fixed are schedule and cost. And that concludes our review for today. Thank you very much. I hope this helps you. If you are struggling with your PMP prep and you're looking for a course to boot you into shape, you need to go on down to projectmanagementmasterclass.com. That is projectmanagementmasterclass.com. In the next few days this weekend, starting on the 30th of October, this will be our final masterclass for 2021. This is your final chance in 2021 to join me for four weeks combing through all of the content for the PMP exam. I look forward to seeing you. Take care and bye for now. Hello, my friends. It's your buddy Phil here. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a wonderful week and those of you getting ready for the PMP or the CAPM exam, I hope you're doing what you should, which is staying on top of the content. So, you know how I roll. Today, I've got an impromptu quiz for you. And I want us to start off by answering the questions that I have. Which process does the project charter come from as an output? The answer is develop project charter. Now, I hope you are paying attention to the 49 processes because they actually have not gone away. There are these rumors, you know, that have been spreading around people saying you don't have to know these processes anymore. I beg to differ. All it takes is having a very process-heavy predictive exam, as some of my students have. So I don't want to discredit the PMBOK guide, 6th edition content, or process groups of practice guide. That stuff is still relevant. Let's move on to another process. Tell me, from where do lessons learned registers as an output come from? The lessons learned register is an output of what? The answer is manage project knowledge. Next question. Work performance reports comes from a process. Which process is that? Work performance reports comes from the monitor and control project work process. This is where you are compiling work performance information to give your work performance report. Next question. From which process does the risk register come from? The answer is the identify risks process. Next question. From which process does the stakeholder engagement plan come from? The answer is plan stakeholder engagement. 
next question. From which process does closed procurement come from? The answer is from control procurement. Next question. Tell me the five stages of team development. The answer. Forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. Next question. Tell me what are the four quadrants in the Hersey-Blanchard model? The answer. Bottom left quadrant. This is the delegate quadrant. Bottom right quadrant is the directing quadrant. Top right quadrant is the coaching quadrant. And top left quadrant is the supporting quadrant. So going from bottom left you have delegating to the right, directing above, coaching, and again to the left at the top, supporting. This helps you understand the importance of situational leadership and how your leadership style could evolve or vary depending on the circumstance and the individuals that you're working with. For example, someone comes into a firm with a whole lot of passion but very little understanding of how to do things, your approach with them could be directing. And as they grow and evolve, your approach towards them could be more delegating. And depending on the ebbs and flows in their career, you could at some times be coaching and other times be supporting. It really depends on the circumstances and the individuals. Next question. Tell me, the Thomas Kilman conflict mode instrument has five approaches to conflict. What are they? Tell me, all five. Okay, now I know you really want to tell me this one. So hit the pause button if you need more time. But the answers are as follows. Withdraw or avoid. That is retreating, running away from the conflict, not wanting to get involved. Perhaps it means you are retreating. But that doesn't mean that you won't come back to face the conflict when you've got backup or you've got more facts to support you. So that's withdraw or avoid. The next one is compromise or reconcile. And compromise or reconcile is looked at as where you're getting something from that conflict situation. Your concerns may be temporarily met, partially met. It's not a full resolve. It's called compromise or reconcile. The next one is called smooth or accommodate. Smoothing is when you concede your viewpoint, your vantage point, your position for the sake of peace and harmony. So, did that make sense? Smooth or accommodate is a conceding. 
That's not the same as compromise or reconcile. So you've got to get those two straight. Compromise or reconcile means there's a temporary fix or partial fix. But smooth or accommodate is a conceding. You just gave up your position. All right. Number four, force or direct. This is using a power position to resolve conflict. Best used in the case of an emergency, but some people may abuse it and just use it to power up on people and bulldoze and have their way regardless. And that's force or direct. Do it my way. Listen to what I have to say. You agree with me. You be quiet. I'm the boss. Or you be quiet. I have the upper hand. And honestly, force or direct, you don't have to be the boss to use that. So when we say a power differential, could be position, but it could also be the informal organization where someone has the upper hand, not because of their direct position, but because of certain influence they have. Maybe they're a union boss. They might be the janitor, but they're the union boss and they can use a force or direct. No, we're not having any negotiations. We're striking tomorrow and a story. You know, that kind of thing. But again, you need to understand it depends on the individuals at play. Not the best one to use at all times, obviously. The final one is collaborate or problem solve. Some people also call this confront because you are confronting the problems or the issues at hand, the conflict, not the person. All right. And those are the five. Withdraw or avoid, compromise or reconcile, smooth or accommodate, force or direct, collaborate, problem solve, confront. Okay. Here is your final question for today. I want you to tell me what are the six processes in project resource management? The six processes of project resource management. Can you remember any of them? I'll take whatever you've got. How about that? All right, hit the pause button if you need more time. All right, let's talk about it. Project resource management process number one. This is known as plan resource management. Next, estimate activity resources. Number three, acquire resources. Number four, develop team. Number five, manage team. And number six, control resources. Remember, control resources does not pertain to the humans. It's just the physical and the materials. Well, thank you very much for joining me on today's show. Hit that like button, subscribe, smash that five star button if you're on Spotify. Those of you on Spotify, I got to give it to you. You showed up. And you showed your buddy Phil support to smash that button when I asked you. 
my friends on Apple. Thank you very much for those of you, there were a few of you who did that, and I appreciate it. But whatever the platform you're on, help me by smashing the five-star button if you found value from today's show, and if you find value from the other 280-plus shows that are out there on this platform right now. For those of you getting ready for the CAPM exam, uh uh-oh, I'm taking a look at the time, and time's ticking away, and we've got till the 24th of July, 2023, to take the CAPM exam based on the 6th edition. If you don't, you know what's going to happen next. You're going to face the CAPM exam based on the 7th edition. But not to worry, I've already got a curriculum. I've been teaching this since January, and it's based on the PMBOK Guide 7th edition, the Business Analysis Guide, and Agile for CAPM. So if that sounds like something you want to take advantage of when the time comes and you find yourself dealing with the CAPM exam based on the 7th edition, go on down to praiseon.com. That's P-R-A-I-Z-I-O-N.com. And you can find all our training programs there. Okay? Well, thank you very much, my friends. Remember, we also have the PMP exam immersion. I actually have a deal going on right now for just $25. You can actually jump on the PMP exam immersion program and you can watch four hours of content. Me taking you through the PMP exam content outline. I'm going to endeavor to put a link below. And uh, if you don't see the link, just remind me. Hey, Phil, we don't see that link for the HPM. All right, because I would really love for you to attend that special session. It's available for just, like I said, $25, four hours of really fantastic content that I'm taking you through the entire PMP exam content outline. Uh, Only here. You won't find that uh, anywhere else. All right, my friends. Thank you very much. You take care and bye for now.